We asked him about it, and uh, he invited us to attend church with him. We went two Sundays at an independent Baptist church up the road, and on the following Friday night, the pastor came to our home, and my wife and I were saved. We were saved because of the Bible. Amen? The Bible brought conviction. So we've been involved through printing, distribution, as I say, the 24 years I've pastored, six years as an associate, and now 10 years, and getting ready to go on 11 years with this ministry. We've traveled the country to share that ministry. The reason is because our ministry is to print scriptures and give them away. That's what we do. Uh, Victory Baptist Press has, since 1984, printed Bibles, New Testaments, and John Romans, and have distributed those free of charge all over the world. Every state in the United States, 38 foreign countries. Amen? And to do that, you have folks like my wife and I that travel the country and represent the work, and that's why we're here. We've had some good meetings around the area. We leave tomorrow, amen, for Iowa, and we'll be at two spots there and uh, go on from there. We'd appreciate your prayer. We have a DVD of the ministry. You're going to be able to see our ministry in the print shop. You'll meet Brother Jim Fallor. He's going to take you on a little tour of the ministry, and uh, then our pastor at the end will give it a little charge, and then I'll say a few more words about it before we get into the Word of God tonight. So, brother, go ahead. Let's show that DVD. Jim Fleur, the director of the Victory Baptist Press here in Milton, Florida. In a moment, we're going to give you a demonstration about how our workers can take perfectly clean paper and turn it into the printed Word of God. When it's determined that we're going to print a Bible or a Bible portion in any particular language, we first have to have that keyed into a computer. From the computer, it's sent to a filmmaker and the negatives are produced. The negatives are then pasted up on a masking sheet. The masking sheet is used to burn that text into a metal plate. The metal plates are then installed on our big web press and prints on both sides of the paper as it comes off the big roll. It then goes through a slitter, a cutter, a folder, and comes out the other end of the press in the form of a 32-page booklet called a signature. If we're doing complete Bibles, it takes 34 signatures for each Bible produced. If we're doing New Testaments, it takes 10 signatures for each New Testament produced. And now let's watch the big press in actual operation.
The next phase of the operation in completing a complete Bible is printing covers. Now this is a vinyl cover that will go on one of the Spanish Bibles that we're printing currently. But first of all, it has to have the name of the Bible imprinted on it. Like this gold imprint that you see that says Santa Biblia. That's for the Spanish Bible. Now this little press is an old, old press made in Germany in 1950. But it's amazing what a fabulous job it does. I think this might be the quietest running piece of equipment that we have in our shop. Me and the press have something in common. We're both getting old, but it still does a great job. We're now ready for the final phase of the production of a complete Bible or of a New Testament. In this 12 pocket collating system, the pages are put in proper order. They then go around this circular part of the machine, have the covers glued to the back of them, and then go through this three blade trimmer and have the outside edges trimmed, and then they're boxed and ready to be shipped to a mission field somewhere around the world. The book of John and the book of Romans is by far the most popular item that we have ever printed at Victory Baptist Press. This machine takes two signatures, which completes the John and Romans and the cover, puts them together, stitches or staples it on the backside, trims the three outer edges, and brings out the other end in a completed product. This has been a great tool for mass evangelism, no telling how many countries around the world. The video that you have just watched was originally produced uh, several years ago. And since that time, we've been able to make several changes in the print shop. Uh, we've updated some equipment, added a two-color and a four-color sheet-fed press, uh, just installed a packer box on the big web press. What has not changed is the process and the product. Still printing Bibles, sending them to missionaries around the world. We're grateful for what the Lord has given us. Every piece of equipment in the print shop is in good working condition. Uh, we have a group of dedicated workers who come to work at 7 o'clock every morning and work hard every day. Uh, we've got a group of uh, supporters around the country who uh, financially support the ministry and make what we do possible. For over 30 years, we've been able to print these Bibles and have never had to make a charge for any of them. We do major projects every year, but we have the capacity in the print shop to do so much more. And that's where we need your help. We need financial support now more than ever because the need and the demand is so great. Consider something. For just 25 cents, we're able to print and ship a John Romans to the mission field. It costs us about 50 cents to do a New Testament, and for approximately $2, we can produce and ship a complete Bible around the world. Do you not think it would be a worthy investment of $2 to send a Bible to a foreign mission field? Where could you invest your money into a more worthy project than sending the Word of God to places where there is none. That's what we do, and you can help us. We need you to become partners with us, and together we can do so much more. There are three specific ways that you can be partners with us. First of all, include Victory Baptist Press in your mission program. However you support missions, would you consider supporting this ministry on a regular basis. It doesn't matter how much the amount. Even a small amount given consistently and regularly 
makes a huge difference. So would you support Victory Baptist Press in your mission program? Secondly, would you consider supporting one of our printing projects with a special offering? If you can't give monthly, maybe you can give once. We're always working on sending a container uh, full of Bibles to some country, and you could help us complete that particular project. It is these extra offerings that enable us to get over the hump on major printing projects. Thirdly, you could shop at our online bookstore. Over the years, we have built an online bookstore that sells only the best fundamentally sound books and music. All of the proceeds from the bookstore goes directly to support the scripture printing ministry. When you shop at VictoryBaptistPress.com, you are helping us print more Bibles. I want to thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time to share with you what the Lord has done for us and through us. If you're already a supporter of this ministry, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. God has used you to touch hundreds of people around the world with His Word, and I thank you for your sacrifice and support. Again, visit us at VictoryBaptistPress.com, pray for us, and consider what you can do to help us get more Bibles to missionaries around the world. Well, that's one time you'll visit the print shop and not have to do any work. Most of the work is done by volunteers, by the way. Uh, the paid staff is few, but we're able to do the work down there. If you've ever been to Pensacola, that area has a lot of Baptist churches, and we get a lot of help, and that's a great blessing. If you ever travel to Pensacola, you know, they go down there and see the white sand beaches, and they're really beautiful. If you do, of course, you have to go in the winter. Go in the summer, you'd have to get right with the Lord. But uh, nonetheless, they are beautiful. And our, our building is located at the exit just before you cross Pensacola Bay. And we're just down the road five miles. And in the back is the print shop. And you can see the big press running, uh, producing scripture. And that's the, one of the greatest sights of all. Amen? To see the press running, printing scripture. Some of the items that the Lord has enabled our ministry to do, some time ago we uh, received a book of John and Romans in a dialect for Uganda called Luganda. And uh, Brother Stensis, a missionary there in Uganda, had taken many, many months to translate, years really, to translate John and Romans into their native tongue. We had the privilege of printing the first 350,000 of those and shipping them to Uganda. Now, I'm told that John Romans in a third world country will be read by up to seven people before it falls apart. And of those seven, two to four will get saved. Now you heard my pastor say we can print and ship at John, John Romans for 25 cents. Amen? So it's well worth it. Also, we did the same with Zimbabwe, Africa. Sent 400,000 there. And we've had the opportunity as well to uh, ship about 125,000 Spanish Bibles to Peru, South America. Uh, missionary Don Rich received those and has distri distributed those in eight of the nine Spanish-speaking countries in South America. Many of the churches that he went into, the only person that even owned a Bible was the pastor. So you can imagine the whole church holding up their Bibles, first time they ever had them. Now, our Bibles are vinyl-covered, glue-bound, but 
It's very high quality paper, high quality print. Some of the things we've improved upon even since this DVD was made is that we have now a system to go from the computer to plate. And uh, so that makes it a lot quicker. Pastor told you three ways you can give. I add a fourth one. Amen. Fourth one is a roll of paper weighs a thousand pounds. And we'll run that roll in one eight-hour shift, and we'll print the equivalent of 880 whole Bibles in one day for 15,000 John and Romans booklets. A roll of paper costs $1,200. And so a lot of times we've had churches and individuals that wanted to help with that. And I know $1,200 is a lot of money. I know all about it. Amen? But uh, it's another way that, that you could give. So pray about that and uh, follow the leadership of your pastor as well. I would be negligent if I didn't thank you for letting us park here. Amen. It's been a blessing. It's a, a good place to park. And uh, we've enjoyed it here. Amen. Uh, not a lot of noise or anything like that. So we're grateful for that other than pastor's motorcycle. You know, No, that's not noisy. I don't even hear it come in. Amen. But we've had a good time and met some good people here. We've made friends all over the country. There are three families that do what we do. And... Uh, all of us are missionaries ourselves, raising personal support. I'd appreciate it if you get a prayer card off the table there and pray for us. It'd be a great blessing. Amen? Now, Pastor mentioned the online bookstore. I'll mention real quick, we carry some titles with us that we publish ourselves. The bookstore lists about 7,000 items. We publish personally, I think, about 80 items, books that were mo mo uh, mostly out of print, and we've printed them. So we have things like Trail of Blood, Fanny Crosby's Autobiography, uh, books like that, a couple mission stories of uh, breaking open mission fields and what they went through in those days. Uh, we have a discipleship book, if you'd like to know how to go about helping discipleship uh, new Christians. A book on Spurgeon's early years is back there. There's uh, um, C.I. Schofield made a 80-topic Bible study Many years ago on leaflets. has nothing to do with the Schofield Bible. But we have that back there in two volumes. One is uh, just the book. The other is a book with a CD in the back and permission to make copies. They're both the same except for CD. Same thing with a prophecy series. Boy, that's something interesting these days. Amen? As you're watching it come, come alive right before your face, I hope you realize that. You're seeing a lot happen right now. Amen? That the Bible talks about. And we have that back there as well. If you're interested in any of those items, there's also a cookbook. That's a Baptist thing. Amen? But uh, Sister Fuller, Brother Jim's wife, collected recipes when, as they traveled all over the country and all out of Baptist churches. So that cookbook, she wanted to use that to help raise money for paper. So that's back there. So if you're interested, see my wife. Uh, we can take cash. Remember that? Cash. Uh, we can take checks, we can take credit cards and debit cards. We're able to do that. So uh, look it over, and if you see something you like, uh, you, we, that helps us buy paper. That's for the printing ministry. All that proceeds go to help in the ministry. Amen? All righty. Well, let's get in the Bible. Acts 17. Acts chapter number 17 tonight. Acts 17, I'll begin by reading verses 10 and 11. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul 
and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. I want you to notice the word noble. They were more noble. I believe that God has called all of us to nobility. When you think of the word nobility, of course you think about uh, kings and queens and all of that, but really nobility in this context is quite different. Amen? It's uh, God's will for us to be noble Christians because we affect others. The bottom line is our Christianity either draws others to Christ or away from him. One of the two. And God has left us a mandate to live Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Amen? So I want you to see what Paul faced here. Look, look in verses 1 through 3 with me here in, in Acts chapter number 17. The Bible says, Now when they had passed through Amphibolus, I'm sorry, in Amphilonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. You see, Paul's manner of ministry leads us to the conclusion that he is dealing with the need to be able to share the gospel with all people, particularly the Jews. He was concerned about the Jews. Amen? His travels through Gentile lands, he sought out Jews first because they were his lineage, and he had a burden for them. And Paul was uh, arguably the best Christian that ever lived, and he's laboring under a great burden here. Uh, Upon his preaching in the synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia, he brought this after rejection of his message by the Jews. And he said in Acts 13, 46 and 47, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I've set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Paul would go to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Amen? Because he had a burden. It was his concern to see the Jews saved. He was trying to call out a people. The reason was, as he was the founder and breaking ground, if you would, for these churches, he was concerned that those around had no example to look to. Jesus Christ had already ascended, the church was there. The church in Jerusalem uh, had persecution, which drove them out into the countryside. And all of a sudden, the Gentiles got saved, and they began to see churches born. And Paul's concern was the great need for examples so others could see, you know. I had uh, pastored in Illinois, Indiana, rather, for six years. And when I went into church, I looked through some of their archive things, pictures. And I came across Easter Sunday in, I think it was 1948. Can you imagine what people looked like? Easter Sunday, 1948. Eh, right? You know what they looked like? Christians. 
Now, I'm not saying we have to do that today. I'm not saying the dress style has to be there again today. I'm just saying uh, people dressed up years ago, did they not? Now, I'm not saying you have to dress up on Wednesday night. Don't even equate it with that. Just don't worry about it. Amen? But I'm saying people had a, uh, a level of, uh, of what was right and wrong. In a lot of ways, we've lost that in America today, have we not? I do believe so. Paul's heart was laid bare in Romans 9, 2, and 3 when he said that I have a great heaviness and continuous sorrow in my heart. For I could wish myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. That's an astounding statement, isn't it? Paul could have given up his salvation if it would have meant his, the Jewish brethren would be saved. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I know I love sinners and I love my family. But boy, that'd be a tough thing to give up. Isn't it good we don't have to? That's a real blessing, isn't it? But Paul had that much of a burden, a concern for people. And wherever where he went, he would seek out people in the marketplaces, in the synagogues, and he'd preach Jesus Christ. And reactions is what he faced quite often. Back in Acts 17, look down in verse number 4. This message that Paul brought demanded a response. Um, for many years, uh, the church I pastored in Ohio, we'd go out on the street. We'd do some uh, preaching on the street, some knocking on doors and witnessing to people. And it always caused a reaction. It wasn't always good. But for, for every bad reaction, I'd have a good one. I'd have people go by with a thumbs up thanking me for doing it. And we had bad reactions. They would say words to me they thought I'd never heard. But I wasn't saved. I was 27. I'd heard them, and they weren't too shocking. But still, it had, there had to be a response. In fact, when I was preaching on the street, I noticed the ones who criticized me the most were people who claimed to be Christian, saying they're laughing at you, laughing at you. Well, they laughed at Christ. <laughs> the message demands a response. That's what I'm saying. Amen? He says here in verse 4, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city in an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason, certain brethren, and the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. You see, there was a response that had to be made, and they responded. They responded in anger, and they do that to this day as well. I've never seen such a spoiled, rotten bunch of people as young people that are protesting today. <laughs> Amen? And the reason they're spoiled is because they were raised without any consequence and taught it. Now that's my two cents worth. You can cash it in if you want to. But they've not been tra trained and taught how to lose. You know, when you play sports, you have to learn. The biggest lesson you have to learn is how to lose, not just how to win. Right? If you ever played sports, you know how bad it feels to lose. But there's character building in that. As a pastor, and I didn't always win. People would sometimes slip away from us, and that broke my heart. 
Amen. But I had a decision to make. Do we stand and stay or do we quit? Well, thank the Lord we never quit. Amen. Look down at verses 12 and 13. Therefore many of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, of men, not a few. When the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached to Paul and Berea, they came thither also, and notice what it says, stirred up the people. Now, if the natural man cannot understand the gospel by himself, though it was as simple, it was easy to stir them up to violence. Here's what I mean. You remember the verse in 1 Corinthians 2.14, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. A lost person who has closed their heart cannot understand the gospel. It seems so simple to you and I, doesn't it? Christ came, he died, he was buried, he rose again, so that people could receive him by faith and be saved. Yet they don't get it. I've witnessed the people, and it's like they're looking at me like a calf at a new gate. They do not understand. And it's so simple. It would frustrate some of the fellows in my church because, what's wrong? Am I saying something wrong? No, you're not. They just have decided not to listen. Now, ladies, if you're married, you've spoken to your husband before and realized the fact he wasn't getting it. My wife say, you listening to me? Well, then I have a decision to make. Can I piece together enough to put together a cognizant answer? Or do I lie? And being a good husband, I would try the latter. Never worked. Amen? How's that happen? Well, I could hear her voice going, but it just didn't register. Because my mind was on something else. That's what I'm talking about. You can witness to people, and it just goes right by. They have no ability to capture what you're saying until they yield to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to apply the Word of God to their heart. That's why if you witness and people don't get saved, it is not your fault. So I could do a better witness. Well, maybe so, but it's still not your fault. It's not your calling to open their hearts. It's your calling to give them the Word. And they have to open their own hearts. I had no incentive to open mine, but I did, reading those gospel tracts. I never rejected them. But it always solicits a response. There's anger. You see people online sometimes, they're holding up signs, I'm going to hell and I'm proud of it. Doesn't that break your heart? And they mean it. They don't see it. They don't get it. They think this is all a fairy tale that we're looking at. And I'm just wondering what good news stories are going to be during the tribulation. Scares you, doesn't it? Make you think of that. Well, nonetheless. Look down at verses 16 and 17. The Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Why, Paul? When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with the devout persons in the market daily, with them that met with him. God uses the word disputed. He disputed with them. I don't think it means that he argued angrily at them, but I think it means that he did have a discourse back and forth. The word to dispute means uh, in Webster's old dictionary to contend in argument, to reason or argue in opposition, to debate, to, to altercate, to dispute violently, 
is to wrangle. That's what Paul did. He had such a desire to see people saved that he disputed with them. I understand that. I've had times when you get such a burden for people that you you want them to get saved, and you're going to do one of two things. You're going to dispute with them to some degree, or you're going to trim down the gospel and make it more palatable. The trouble is, when you do that, nobody gets saved. And I'll tell you, churches are doing that. Some churches are doing that today. They're trying to make the church a pleasant place for lost people to come. Now, when I went to church the two Sundays we went, it was unpleasant. They were also nice to us, but it was unpleasant. I mean, I sat over here in a pew. If there had been a door there when he said amen, I'd have been out that door. I had to go through and shake hands. I hated that. Amen? And he preached, and boy, the invitation, you got the, like the, everybody's looking at you, and the weight of the world's on your shoulders. And, but then that third Sunday, after we were saved, we were the last ones left. Why? Because I suddenly belonged. I was part of the church. Amen? Isn't that something how God works in hearts? Amen? Disputed is what Paul did in the, with the Jews in the synagogue. My goodness. I've been out on the street. I have scripture signs sometimes I'll take out on the street. and They're just verses that I hold up. But I've had uh, uh, Mormons come by, uh, young boys, young men come by, talk with me. and They like to make me think that they're the same as we are, though they're not. Amen? So what do you do? Well, you have to dispute with them. I can't just let them go. I can't just say it's okay. Amen? So we go and go up and down. Now, I've never, I've never disputed with a Jehovah's Witness and had them get saved. So I'm careful how I do that. When I say dispute, here's what I mean. I just lay on the gospel. Just stay on the gospel. I don't get off on all these other sidetracks. I just stay on the gospel. Amen? Um, I'm not talking about uh, trying to tongue lash them. I'm talking about calmly, just continue to give them the gospel. That is what's needed, because we're here to be examples. Amen? Paul's message in verses 24 through 31 resulted in a mixed response, though. Look in verses 18, beginning in verse 18 again. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? And some, he seemed to be a setter forth of some strange gods because he preaches on them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Herapagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye, ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar unto this inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. The Athenians had gods, many gods, and statues of those many gods everywhere. And just so they didn't miss one, they had one to the unknown God. And Paul is trying to tell them, here he is, here it is, here's the truth. 
And uh, it caused mixed reactions. Some would listen and some would not. Now, that's what it's going to be for you and I as we witness family and friends. You have such a zeal to see maybe children and grandchildren get saved. And I understand that. Or family members or neighbors get saved. Amen. That, that we are trying to be wise and lay the groundwork for the gospel. If you're around them all the time, you don't have to hit them with a bazooka. Amen. But lay the groundwork for the gospel and add a little here and a little there. But you must keep up because their soul is worth it. Amen. They were searching. You know, the Lord asked in Job 11, 7 through 9, says, Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the, might, the Almighty into perfection? It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what can thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Well, how are you and I going to be able to know God so well that we can be his witness and his spokesperson? Well, you have in your hand a Bible tonight. I trust the King James Bible. That is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. You have inside of you, if you're saved tonight, the Holy Spirit of God abiding in you, the author of the Word of God. And you have a right as a Christian to go to Him in prayer and read your Bible and have Him show you exactly what you need to know. Amen? Now, that doesn't discount the need of a pastor. Amen. He puts messages on pastor's heart. He preaches, and you have an opportunity uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart how he will. But still, you have a right to know. You're, the her- you're God's heritage. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside. You can know by searching, but searching the Word of God. Why were the Bereans noble? Because they searched the Word of God, and they were open to it. I feel sorry for those that don't know where the Word of God is, that are saying, well, we have as close as we can get. It's not all the Word of God. I'd like him to show me which part isn't, which is. Is God so feeble that he lost his Word? Could he really be God and do that? I don't think so. But I'm sure glad that he preserved his Word. There must be a supernatural measuring stick to find out God and His will. And as I say, that is Scripture. Galatians 3.22, the Bible says, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Accentuated the word of on purpose. It's not faith in Jesus Christ. It's by faith of Jesus Christ. Faith is produced in Christ. And Christ is the Word, according to John 1. So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You have no faith apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I like to say the Spirit's the workman, the Word of God is His toolbox. With that toolbox, He produces faith to prepare you for whatever you need for today, tomorrow, and and further ahead. And that's what He does, and what a blessing that is. You know 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. He's going to tell you the truth, reprove you when you're wrong, correct you to face the right way, and instruct you how to stay right. That's what the Word of God does. Don't neglect your Bible. 
Don't neglect your Bible. Amen? Now, in verse number 11 here, the Bible says that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word with all readiness of mind. They were prepared to receive. Now, I understand as a human being, now and then you and I read our Bibles and we go to sleep or we find ourselves reading and thinking of something else. Aren't we wonderfully made? It's human nature. Amen. But as much as you can, I would pray and ask God, show me something today and look for it as you read. And God will pick out a nugget for you, something that you need for that day, and it'll be a blessing to your heart. In the parable of the sower, that is called good ground, the readiness of mine. Mark 4, 8, other fell on good ground, did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. It's good ground. That's what you need to have, an open heart. The longer you're saved, the more concern you have to have that you read your Bible to, to understand it, not just to get it done. And I speak from experience, amen? Because I am human too, for sure. That's the, the point that I believe Paul would say about the Bereans, why they were noble. They were noble because they searched the Scriptures to see the truth. The difference between them and the well, the for us, I'll say it this way: for us, the glory and the blessing is that we have the Holy Spirit of God, Amen, to guide and direct us. Now, here's a question that ultimately comes down to this: when you're in the position I'm in, what would you do without a Bible? Amen. How could you get faith without a Bible? If faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by God's word. What would happen if you had no access to a Bible? I knew, uh, I've heard of a pastor that pastored in the former Soviet Union with one page of the Bible for five years. I found somebody had that. I got to see it. It was Romans 3 and 4 in Russia. And he preached five years out of Romans 3 and 4 and never got to, got to the depth of it. Amen. I always like to say after that, I wonder what he did when he got a whole Bible. I bet you that was a service. Amen? Well, I bet that lasted a while. But that shows you the power of God's Word. But there are many in this world that do not have access to Scripture. And those are the ones we're trying to reach, trying to help. John Romans are mostly a soul-winning tool. You know, those are marked, and they go through the verses, takes the reader through the verses that deal with salvation. And... Uh, the reason why people will keep them is because they're Bible. They don't usually throw them away because they are Scripture. But still, the whole Bibles are for Christians, and they need them. What happens if one Bible, 2 to $3 to produce and ship, lands in the hand of one young man in, say, the Philippines, whose heart is open, and he's got a zeal in his heart, and he sets about to see people saved. And through that preaching of God's word, he sees hundreds and hundreds saved. It's happening in the Philippines. Wouldn't that make all the whole load of Bibles worth it? That's what I'm saying. That's what we do. That's the burden that we carry. So, your Bible's precious. Amen? Read it. You say, well, preach you don't understand. I can't see. I can't read well. they got... Bible online, Bible on tape, Bible on CDs. You've got so many ways to do it. The best way is to read it if you can. Amen? But don't neglect your Bible. 
And then pray, God, what would you have us to do to help others be able to receive Scripture? Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for tonight. Have your will and your way.